So Philippians 3, 15 to 21. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is in their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by that power enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be become like his glorious body. Amen. Thanks, Isabel. Friends, it's so good to be with you. Um, as was mentioned, we've been a part of the Reality Family of Churches for uh, 20 years now, 10 years planting and pastoring in Los Angeles, and then the better part of six years, my family and I were invested in this church. So even though I haven't had the chance to meet many of you that have joined in the last few years, we have very much, as a family, left our, our heart here and pray for you daily. And it's a privilege to be here with you and to learn from Jesus together. So let me lead us in a prayer once more. Heavenly Father, it is indeed a privilege for us to gather, to hear from your word, to listen to what your Holy Spirit is wanting to say to us individually and to your church collectively. And I pray that you would grant me the grace to serve your word as I serve these precious men and women that we would learn today about the importance of the patterns and examples of our lives and how you desire to shape them by the power of Jesus Christ. So to that end, would you speak to us now? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, regarding the importance of daily habits and patterns, consider this illustration from the author James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. It was a Sunday Times bestseller. Some of you may remember. He says, imagine you are flying from Los Angeles to New York City. If a pilot leaving Los Angeles International Airport adjusts the heading just 3.5 degrees south, you will not land in New York City. Instead, you will land in Washington, D.C. Such a small change is barely noticeable at takeoff. The nose of the airplane moves just a few feet. But when magnified across an area as large as the United States, you will end up hundreds of miles apart. He goes on to say the quotes on the screen, similarly, a slight change in your daily habits or patterns can guide your life to a very different destination. Making a choice that is 1% better or 1% worse seems insignificant in the moment. But over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, these choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be. 
This morning, friends, I want you to consider that whether you realize it or not, you are following a pattern of life and you are leaving an example for others. So where is this pattern leading you? And in turn, where are you leading others? Now, the Bible is clear. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, your entire life changes in a moment. Your standing before God changes in an instant. You can be saved. You can be forgiven of your sin in that moment. It's remarkable. It is a miracle. But from that point on, you then must grow and become the woman or the man that God desires you to be. To grow and to mature, to keep going and to not fall away is a matter of the thousand and one smaller decisions you make every single day. The patterns that shape you. It's our conduct, it's our character which appears to be the central theme of our text today. So the Apostle Paul, in writing to this Philippian church that many of you have been journeying through over these last few weeks, a church that Paul loved so much, here in chapter 3 addresses this theme of life patterns. He addresses this theme of an example. He looks at his own life as a follower of Jesus and understands that he sets an example. And it becomes a teachable moment for the Philippian church and for us. And so these few verses in Philippians 3 are actually, I think, leading us to ask three crucial questions that I want us all to think about and that I believe our text answers today. The first is, where do my patterns begin? Where do they start? The second question is, what do my patterns reveal? What do they say about me? What do they reveal about my, my life, my spiritual condition? And lastly, how does Jesus change those patterns? So first, we want to ask, where do our patterns begin? So the Apostle Paul has just written in this letter, as you've learned if you've been with Reality Church London on this journey, about his own transformation, about how he met and was changed by the risen Jesus Christ. All of the change that occurred in his life happened because of Jesus. And he went on to say, I want you to know Jesus Christ. I want you, friends, he says, to know how Jesus has changed my life and how he can change yours. But immediately after making such a statement, he is then very quick to state how far he must go. He says, I've not yet arrived, he says earlier in verse 14. So Paul, even though he's a church planter, a senior leader in the early church, he's very eager, he's very keen to say, I have not yet arrived. I don't want any of my hearers to think, oh, well, I am a perfect Christian. See, if you're like me, some of you might be newer Christians, I remember my first year or two of being a Christian, I thought that there were two tiers of Christians. There was like first-class Christians, and then there was economy. <laughs> like the, the norm of the rest of us, you know. First-class were the super elite, disciplined, holy Christians, and then there was me. It's like if you travel, you know, as we've, our American friends have just done on the plane. Have you ever noticed how they bring you into the 
in, into the, the entrance to your plane goes through first class. How horrible is that? Like, we've got some young people on, on our trip who, they, they walk in, they're like, what? You get a bed? And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're at the back. <laughs> Oftentimes we view church that way, like, ooh, the person leading service, leading, oh, they must be business class. But as for me, I'm economy. (laughs) But Paul's saying, not so. We all have the same access to Jesus Christ. And so he's very quick to say, I've got a ways to go. And not for a moment is he suggesting that his perspective is unique to him. Look again at verses 15 through 17. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He says, this is how every Christian should think. And those in need of maturing should adopt the same perspective, he says in verse 15. To put it another way, he says, let us all live in light of what we have learned. Let us all live in light of what we've already learned. That's what he's saying. But sadly... Not everyone is going and growing in the right direction. And so Paul says in verse 17, join with others in following my example. Why would he say that? Why would Paul say such a thing? Well, first, Paul is saying so clearly that our lifestyle, our patterns that we live by, they absolutely matter. So here's one of the answers to the question, where do our patterns begin? Our patterns begin with the example that we follow. The patterns in your life, they were learned. They were learned. Now that phrase, he says, in in the NIV it's rendered, join in imitating me, feels a little awkward to us modern people. Because, especially in cities like like London or like Los Angeles, we live in the age of, of the individual We live in the age of authenticity where imitating feels artificial. It's the, at least in LA, it was fake it till you make it, you know, which kind of everybody did basically there. But maybe that's how you feel as a Christian. You feel like, wait a minute, if I'm just following their lead, does that mean I'm being fake? But the truth is we all learn our patterns of life from someone, from somewhere, even from the earliest age, like a child learning how to talk by mimicking their parents. That's how they learn, by by their, their schoolmates. Whether you realize it or not, you are following an example. It was the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw that said, imitation is not just the sincerest form of flattery, it's the sincerest form of learning. Even a disciple of their rabbi, they would imitate the rabbi. And this gets a bit closer to the Bible's teaching on imitation. Imitation was, in the ancient world, the highest form of education. Because, see, in in modern school, when you're in class, the goal is to learn what the teacher knows. But in the ancient world, 
The goal was to become like the teacher. That's why it was so profound when Jesus, the ultimate rabbi, the Messiah, the savior of the world, said, come follow me. You were not only to hear a teacher, you were to seek to become like the teacher. And so Paul says that he wants to know Jesus and he wants others to follow their example. See, we all need examples of how the life of faith is to be lived out. We don't just automatically change our behavioral patterns by learning something new. We also need examples. Because some of the most important things in life are not merely taught, as we say, they are caught. For example, when I was a new Christian, I did not know how to pray. And I felt like an absolute fool. But I remember growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then later on when I was a young man, I become a Christian, and I joined this, this Bible study. If you've ever been to San Francisco, it was just on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. It was a great place to become a new Christian. I didn't really know that many Christians. So I go to this small Bible study, and they used to pray at every single study. And so I, I would learn from, from my, my parents who had prayed, and then I would learn from these people, and I started kind of imitating them. That's how I learned to pray. I learned from God's word, and then I also learned from their example. And part of the way in which people will be formed in this church is by learning from your example if you're a member here. How else are people going to, to learn godly habits? They need to learn in community. That's why Paul says all of you, not just individuals. So we learn first by reading God's word and by the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. But then scripture tells us to learn from others. So here's a question for you. Are you following good examples? And think deeply about that. Don't answer too quickly. Are you following good examples? That's the first part of the question is our patterns begin by the example we follow. But then we not only follow an example, we leave an example. So Paul says, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He says, as we follow these examples, we learn to put into practice all of these things that we're learning, these, these patterns that we can develop together that then influence other people. Paul knew how important this was for the church. Your patterns in your life, the way that you live, your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly routines, they not only impact you, they impact your flatmates. They impact your spouse. They impact your children. They impact your parents. They impact your colleagues and your coworkers and your neighbors. They have a profound impact on everyone who is around you. Here's a challenging question. At least it's been challenging for me. If somebody started imitating everything that you did over the last month, is that a good thing or a bad thing? If you imitated me, you would definitely crush the threshold of too much caffeine over the last few weeks, for sure, and probably spend a little too much money at the coffee shop. If somebody started imitating you today, would that be a good thing, or would that be a bad thing? That's the individual responsibility. But what about the corporate responsibility? What about Reality Church London? If they were going to learn what they needed to learn about how to live the Christian life, could they learn that by following you 
as a church. Paul says, join together in following my example. This isn't just, don't think of this as just, um, you know, kind of a, a, a self-help, personal, individualistic, oh, I'm going to go to the Bible for a few principles, I'll put them into practice, and I'll just become a better individual. This is a collective responsibility that we have to follow Jesus together, create patterns that come from the Word of God, so that others can come into this community and learn what it looks like to follow Jesus in this city. In fact, he actually uses military language in the Greek. It's, it's joined together or quite literally stay in formation. Stay in formation. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm a pretty massive football fan. So needless to say, I was very happy to see a team, which will go unmentioned. Uh, but yesterday when Arsenal beat uh, Nottingham Forest 2-1, a few church members were there. Praise the Lord. I could see our coach who was famous. He's in all the, the papers for his like antics on the touchline. He's yelling, stay in formation. They get pulled out of formation. They be, then become vulnerable. And you could see him there. He's shouting, stay in formation. Friends, Paul the Apostle is saying, look, you are in danger of being pull, pulled away, drawn away by the distraction of this world. Stay in formation. Stay together because the enemy will seek to attack you at the point where you are most disconnected as a church. And if you don't take my word for it, take Charles Spurgeon's word for it, who we all know preached over a hundred years ago just south of the river, the Prince of Preachers. He said, if I am a soldier set to guard the army at a certain point, I know that every post in the whole line of soldiers is important, but I am not to dream that mine is not so. If so, I may be inclined to sleep, and the foe may surprise the camp at the point which I ought to have guarded. I am to feel as if the whole safety of the entire camp depended on me. At least, I ought to be as zealous and as watchful as if it were so. You see the links of a chain. Each one of them has a certain strain upon it. Suppose one of those links should say, I may rust through. It doesn't matter. For many other links are strong. No, my friend. The chain depends on each link. And so for the completeness of church work and for the perfect edification of the body of Christ, a great weight of responsibility lies on you. No pressure. <laughs> Listen. The followers of Jesus must never act as if you are only responsible for yourselves. You are following an example, and whether you realize it or not, you are setting an example. Is it one worth following? Well, it begins by who we follow. But there's more than that. And that's the second question. What do our patterns reveal? So there's the patterns of your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you engage with your neighbors, how you engage with others. What does that say about us? What do our patterns reveal? Because beyond the impact we have on others, Paul clearly states that our behavior and the patterns of our life reveal the truth about ourselves. And what is that? Paul is very clear. The patterns of your life reveal the direction of your lives. 
it's an indication of where you're headed. And so he says in verse 18 and 19, there's a negative and a positive example here. He says, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, there are many who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So he begins with a negative example, a a warning. It's a strong and passionate warning against bad examples who live according to destructive patterns. Now, who are these people? It does not seem that he is speaking generally about people outside of the church, but most likely those who pretended to be in the church, but in reality, they were not. They were false teachers. They were deceivers. They were frauds. They were fakes. People moving about with a fake ID, a fake passport, if you will. So there's a sobering warning. There are many who might proclaim the faith, but the patterns of their lives could not be more opposite to Jesus Christ. In fact, he calls them enemies. And their destiny is destruction. Because the only thing that can save us from destruction is the cross of Christ. But in contrast, for those who trust in the cross of Christ, their citizenship is in heaven. Verse 20, but our citizenship for the believer is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is teaching here that the people we imitate, the patterns that we follow, reveals where we are headed. It reveals our true citizenship. Think about it in terms of of an accent. I don't have one. You have one. Um, Your accent echoes your origin, right? You can often tell where people are from by by their accent. So you don't have to spend more than two minutes with me before you hear me say, oh my gosh, you guys. And you're like, oh, he's from California. Bijan is much more sophisticated. He's from the East Coast of the United States. But even here in London, I remember when we lived, we lived up near Highbury for a while, and one of our friends that we had met through our kids' school, she moved from Highbury down to Old Street. It's like a mile and a half. And I remember chatting with her and said, oh, how's the move? She said, oh, it's good. Oh, their accents are so different. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a mile and a half. <laughs> your accent is an echo of your origin. And in a similar way, Paul's saying the way you live, your patterns, they're they're like an accent that reflect your spiritual home. But here's the difference. Some of you are saying, wait a minute, with the example you just used, does that mean I'm defined by where I'm from and I can't change? No. What Paul is saying is something radically different if you're a Christian. Paul is saying that you are not defined by where you're from, you are defined by where you are headed. So if you are a Christian, it means you now have a spiritual hometown that works backwards. It works backwards. Or let me put it another way. The city that shapes you more than where you are from is the one you are headed towards, and that is heaven, where Jesus reigns. And through simple trust in Jesus, you become 
a citizen of heaven. And so your patterns reveal the direction of your life. But they also renew your desires. Again, Paul begins when he talks about desires that our patterns reveal, he uses a negative warning. For those who are the enemies of the cross of Christ, what's driving them? Well, he's very clear. He says there in verse 19, their God is in their stomach. What he means by that is people who follow all of their natural appetites. And if you read the Bible, you'll know that we are created wonderfully and beautifully God, but we are also horribly tainted by this thing called sin, a rebellion against God in attitude and in action. That means we can't just follow everything that comes naturally into our hearts, which is the mantra of modern culture, right? Follow your heart. I don't, I don't know how many of you are subjected to Disney Plus on a regular basis, but really the climax of every, every Disney film ever is follow your heart. And when you're in the cinema and that line comes out at the climax of the story, everyone in the cinema is like, oh, bless. So everyone thinks, how am I supposed to live my life? Follow your heart. Paul's like, don't do that. I've had it in the church. I remember this one person uh, back in L.A. um, who's not going to listen to this podcast and who shall not be named. Um, They told me they were going to make this horrible decision about divorcing their spouse completely on a whim. And when I asked what their reason was, they said, well, I'm just going to follow my heart. So I challenged him on that. I'm like, you're sure about that? He's like, yeah, God knows my heart. I'm like, yeah, the Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? Yes, God knows your heart. So that's not like a free pass to do whatever you want to do. God's not like, oh, all the angels in heaven are like, oh, he was just following his heart. Well, sure, go for it. God's like, sorry, sorry, I had my commandments. But the minute you said that it was in your heart to do something, like a horrible decision, yep, you're you're right. I'm going to take those commands. You, You just, you do you. Friends, Paul is saying, those who follow just the natural fallen desires of their heart, where does that lead? Where do your patterns reveal? If you're just following every appetite that comes into your heart, it's going to lead to destruction. Paul is giving a warning. But in contrast, those who are citizens of heaven, who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, what is their motivation? So on the one hand, These destructive patterns, they reveal that they're headed towards destruction. But those who trust in Jesus, who display different patterns, well, their patterns reveal a different destination. Verse 20, what's driving them? What's their motivation? What do their patterns reveal? They are eagerly awaiting a savior. That's what verse 20 says. That's the key. What are they longing for? Eagerly waiting for the Lord Jesus. Paul insists that the patterns that we should follow are the ones that are driven by a desire for Jesus Christ, to know him, to know his love, to know his purpose for your life. That means that there's a spiritual homesickness that you have if you're a Christian, that you long for home. And the way that you live now, you should live with a Jesus accent. So there's a lot of accents represented in this room. But may we all be marked ultimately by a Jesus accent. 
You know, when you hear an accent, it's like, oh, where are you from? The way you live, the way that you work with your colleagues would hopefully provoke, oh, well, you're doing things a little bit differently. Why did you forgive your coworker? Oh, it's nothing. No, really, why did you forgive your coworker? Well, I worship Jesus. He's forgiven me. Like, oh, there's an accent. And what does it echo? Your spiritual hometown. You are a citizen of heaven. And that is to be revealed in the patterns that you live, that you worship Jesus at your work, that you worship Jesus in your relationships, that you worship Jesus in the places you live. We long for Christ. And if we do so, we head in the right direction. I'm sure you've heard this quoted before, but Augustine, the famous early church father, once said, two cities have been formed by two loves. The earthly love by the love of self, even to the contempt of God. But the heavenly city by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. The former, in a word, glories in itself, but the latter in the Lord. For the one seeks glory from men, but the greatest glory of the other is God. Where do our patterns begin? By the example that we follow. What do our patterns reveal? Our patterns reveal the desires of our lives and the directions of our lives. So this morning, if people looked at our patterns, where would they guess we are headed? Where would they guess I am headed? What would they think that you are truly longing for in life? What would they think that your life, this church, is truly all about if they were just looking at patterns? See, patterns are so important. It's one of the reasons why, for example, prayer is such an important pattern in the life of the church. Because prayer, like few other activities, show that our passion, our true desire, is to call upon the Lord Jesus from heaven that we need power from on high to live here in the present. And it's why prayer should be a pattern for you both personally and corporately. We believe in the power of prayer. For that pattern, that, that accent, if you will, reflects our true home is in heaven. That's why we're crying out to God constantly for the help that we need. And when people see prayer happen in your life, individually and in the life of this church collectively, they will say, that's different. What does that pattern reveal? That pattern reveals that you have a connection with heaven. It's why prayer should be a pattern in everything. In your daily life, consider making prayer a pattern, whether it's in the morning, at noon, and evening. Patterns as a church, when Reality Church London calls for a prayer meeting, we have prayer as, as a part of all of the services. The Reality Family of Churches will have a second set. And in a little while, there'll be men and women on the sides here wearing lanyards for prayer. Come and receive prayer. It's a pattern that we're to build in to our lives personally and collectively. If people looked at our patterns, where would they guess we are headed? We all need that Jesus accent, but how do we get it? That's the last question. How does Jesus change our patterns? See, the patterns of our lives reveal the direction of our lives and also the desires of our lives. And these patterns flow from the heart. And according to the Bible, the heart is the most central place of all. 
And so for our patterns to change, our hearts must change. See, some of you right now are probably aware of some unhealthy patterns in your life. Could be patterns of addiction. Could be patterns of abuse. Could be patterns of laziness. Or patterns of unhealthy busyness. Patterns of cynicism. You might be asking, well, how can those patterns change? The short answer is Jesus changes those patterns in your life that you want to see change by changing your heart. And that happens in three ways. First, you must receive the pardon of Jesus. For your patterns to change, to be changed by Jesus, you must receive the pardon of Jesus. Notice what Paul said there in verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a what? A savior. A savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, friends, a good example will not save you. Only a savior can save you. So don't just think, oh, if I find a good example at Reality Church London, I will be saved. Because believe you me, if you were to follow me as an example, you're never going to be saved. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and ask him for forgiveness, you shall be saved. That's where it begins. That's where the heart change happens. It's by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. What does he save us from? He saves us from the penalty of our sin. He saves us from the power of our sin. He pardons us. He forgives us. He breaks the power of shame. He breaks the power of guilt in your life. All of those patterns that that you've developed, the patterns of your parents or or your flatmates or whoever that have negatively impacted you, only Jesus can break the power and truly set you free. That's how you become a Christian. It's not just by following a good example. It's by trusting in a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. You must receive the pardon of Christ. But secondly, you need to rely on the power of Christ. Notice Paul ends in verse 21, who, speaking of Jesus, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Listen, for those of you who are struggling with bad patterns in your life and you're thinking, I can't do this, well, guess what? The good news is that even though you can't break those patterns, there is one who can. And maybe you can even underline that verse, the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Do you have an addiction? Ask Jesus to bring it under his control. Do you have a pattern that you want to see go and be stopped? Ask Jesus to bring everything under his control. It is the power of Jesus. It is the power of the Holy Spirit who brings about new desires and enables us to live out of new patterns. And one of the ways we access this power is through prayer. That's why the church is to be called a house of prayer. Maybe some of you have never even received prayer before. I invite you to do that today. You don't even have to get into the details. Just say, hey, hi, what's your name? Thanks. Can you just pray that bad patterns would be broken in my life? I dare you. It's a little holy dare on your Sunday morning. Just go. You don't even have to get specific. Just receive that prayer. I want God to break these bad patterns in my life. I want Jesus to bring it all under his control. 
And that pattern that you begin now, even receiving prayer, will lead a good example for others. I think about this with my own family. My kids are not going to think dad has it all together because they know I don't have it all together. But what I hope that my children see is my dad knows he doesn't have it all together, so he goes in prayer to the one who does. And that's the best example I could give to my children. It's not the example of a perfect dad. I will never be a perfect dad. But as a signpost to a perfect savior. That's the example we can leave. And as a church, you rely on that power as you come to the word of God and in prayer. And the last thing is we must remember the purpose of Christ. You must receive the pardon of Christ and ask for his forgiveness. You must rely on the power of Christ. Ask him. And you need to remember the purpose of Christ. That is, for anyone whose trust is in Jesus, your future is one of resurrection glory. Because Paul ends by saying that we will be transformed, in verse 21, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will do what? He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. When we trust in Jesus, we are on a journey towards glory. And right now, we must create the patterns by his power to be a signpost to all the world of where we are heading. It's why reading scripture every day might not seem that powerful in the moment, but they create a pattern. That's why praying together daily, weekly, might not seem that big of a deal in the moment, but they are powerful patterns that are an echo of your true spiritual hometown and will shape you in the here and now. When we sing together like we're going to do in a moment, that is a pattern that we collectively engage in together. It's a pattern. It becomes a habit in our life. This is powerful. Not only in changing you, but the others that follow you. Because people are following in your footsteps. Are my footsteps leading other people to danger, or are they leading them to hope? Well, think of the one who leads you. Because to lead others well, you need to be well-led. And there is no greater leader than Jesus Christ, who is not only the perfect example, which he is, he is the perfect Savior. And if you know him and trust in him, and seek him. He will change your patterns. And they will not be perfect. But they will point other people. To Jesus. And that's our prayer friends. That our patterns simply point. People to Jesus Christ. So our response now. Is to ask Jesus. To bring change. As we receive his pardon. As we rely on his power. And as we remember. His purpose for us. Ask him to break the old patterns and create new ones. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the best we know how, we want to be honest. About the patterns in our lives that need to change. Patterns you see and know already. But we are acknowledging them in your presence. 
And we now want to respond by inviting you into them. That you might change us. That you might change our hearts. I pray for those here who've never believed on the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that right now they would. That they would receive the pardon of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of their sins. Which can't be found anywhere else. I ask, Father, that even now they would simply say from the quietness of their heart in their own chair. That they would say, Lord, save me. I believe you died on a cross for my sins and rose again. You are my savior. I trust in you. And Father, as your church, I pray that even now as we respond in worship and prayer, I pray that you would break destructive patterns in our lives, create and shore up redemptive ones in our lives as we follow you, as we trust in you, as we confess, as we receive your forgiveness and just rejoice and eagerly await you that we would desire you above all else. Spirit of God, would you come? We don't want to play church today. We don't want to be religious people. We want to meet with you. We want to be changed by you. So Holy Spirit, would you do that now as we respond? In Jesus' name.